I am going to start out today by confessing to you a bit of some of my issues. And I did use the word issues. So my wife's here. She can tell you the other ones. But I'm going to just start by confessing one to you. I should have, you know, Super Bowl was last weekend. I could do the usher. These are my confessions. That just went anyone over the age of 50. They have no idea. The younger generation just got that. But I'm not going to sing usher this morning. But here are one of my one of my issues. Um, I am a person who, obs- who is obsessed with the cleanliness of their car. Is anybody like that? Like you are an interior detail, like you buy the, you know, the wet tire and you clean your rims and everything is inside. Anybody with me? God bless you. We have a support group that I'll be leading immediately after the service. Like I have been this way since I was about 15. So my first job growing up in Newcastle was a, at, as, at a used car dealership that also did um, car, car body detailing. And so I learned how to like steam engines and shampoo seats and like clean it out really good. And then that summer, I worked all summer and saved as much money as I possibly could. And I bought a $1,500 Toyota Celica, 1981 Toyota Celica. And if I drove fast enough and drove by you at the right angle, and if you had your eyes closed a bit, it kind of looked like a Jaguar. (laughs) And I mean, I kept that thing clean. It was white and it had this like bright blue interior. And I mean, and it had bucket pleather seats, not leather, pleather. And uh, I would like armor all the seats and you had to be careful because if you got in too fast, you'd like just slide way out on the other side. And that has continued. And in all honesty, again, you can ask my wife this, like, and I'm not, I'm not a fancy car person. I drive a Honda Accord, but I am the guy who like pays for the monthly car wash so that I can go through as often as you want. So no joke, I'll go through like three or four times. If it rains, I'm like going through again and wiping everything down. And, um, when we were, when we had young kids, like when Kate and Alex were like six and eight, and they'll tell you this too, like you drive through McDonald's or whatever it was. I was like, you're not eating in my car. I did not let my kids eat in my car. They're like, come on, dad, the food's getting cold. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't want salt and French fries in between the seats. You can wait till you get home. And then uh, last story, and I'll promise I'll, I'll land the plane and make the connection. Um, we like to prank each other around April Fool's Day. And so one year, um, I believe our kids were in high school. I mean, I mean, I don't have bumper stickers. I don't want any decals on windows and no offense, those of you that do. Um, but one time, it was like later in the week. So it was like four or five days past April Fool's Day. And I put the car in the garage and I'm like taking the trash out and I walk back in the garage and I'm looking at the back, the back window of my car. And I see, you know, the little stick people stickers that people put like on minivans and no offense if you have one, God bless you, they're wonderful. Um, and I, I see these two kids stickers and then mom and dad and it was like the start. And I'm like, who put that on my car? And I walk in and my kids and wife are just laughing because it's been on for like four days and I've been driving around and didn't know and I was embarrassed. So I have an obsession about protecting my car. Well, Our proverb for today is Proverbs 4.23, and it's one that's very familiar to a lot of you. And I want to uh, just give you the first part of it. 4.23, Proverbs. It's actually a dad, again, speaking to a son. And you can imagine this, the dad saying to his son, Son, guard your heart 
above all else. And we're gonna get to the rest of it in just a moment. Guard your heart. And that word guard means to protect, to preserve. It's actually kind of a watchman, if you will, if you can think of like a, a, a military, like someone who's watching the post. Guard, protect, preserve, look over. I mean, be passionate about, be obsessed with guarding your heart. And he says, above everything else. Think about that. Out of all the things you could be concerned about and want to protect, the writer says, guard your heart. You and I have a responsibility to preserve and to protect the condition of our heart. Think of this in a physical sense. When does a person die? When a person's heart stops beating, you're done. And you're done in the physical sense. How much more true is that in the spiritual sense? When your heart stops beating, your spiritual heart, so to speak. Jesus speaks about this in the famous words we call the Beatitudes. Remember this? Blessed are the pure in heart. They will what? See God. Jesus said, you want to see God? Make sure that your heart is pure. So even Jesus talks about the importance of the condition of our heart. Well, why is it so important? The second half of Proverbs 4.23 tells us that. Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Meaning, your actions matter. Okay? What you do certainly matters. Your work matters. However, your heart matters more. Jesus said, a good person produces good things. A good person, no doubt they do, they act and they do good things. Where does that come from? Jesus said, it comes from the treasury of a good heart. The opposite is also true though. An evil person produces evil things. Where? From the treasury of an evil heart. Jesus said, what you say flows from what your heart, from what's in your heart. So while what you do matters, please hear me, our actions matter, your work matters, what you do matters, but your heart matters more because it is the root or the source from which all of those things come from. We actually see this collision between the importance of what we do, our actions, and the condition of our heart or what's in our heart in a gospel story, and this happened a lot in the gospels, where the Pharisees are upset at Jesus and they're upset at his disciples because they're not obeying um, the religious law of the day. And the story is uh, the disciples are eating or they're, they're eating and Jesus is eating and they basically don't wash their hands before they eat and the Pharisees are upset about that. Now, many of you grandmas and moms, you're like, good, they should be upset. You should always wash your hands before you eat. Um, this was a bigger deal than that. Um, at that time, in the times of Jesus, in the biblical times, for Jewish boys and girls, men and women, they didn't eat certain foods. And then there was a certain way in which you prepared to eat. And so it was more about ceremonial and religious law and rules. And so Jesus' disciples disregarded that. And the Pharisees come up and they ask him, how come your disciples didn't ceremonially wash their hands before they eat? And like only Jesus can do, he flips the script back on and he asks them a question. He says, well, why don't you honor your mother and father? <laughs> kind of like we saw last week, Jesus always knows the condition of our hearts. He always knows what is happening in our brains. And he says after that, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, 
speaking about food, and that's a pretty big statement. Um, it's what comes out, your words. And the disciples even come to Jesus in this point, and it's kind of funny. They go, Jesus, you just hacked off the most important religious people of the day. I mean, these are the influencers. Do you realize you just ticked them off? And Peter and the disciples don't even understand. And Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what you eat. And Peter's confused because ever since he was a small boy, he was told you can't eat this, you can't eat that. And Jesus seems to be going countercultural to everything he was taught since a kid. And then Jesus says this to Peter. He says, don't you understand yet? Anything you eat passes through your stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. So for the religious people at the time of Jesus, there was more value on what people did publicly than what was happening, happening privately within their own hearts. And can we be really honest with one another today? We're guilty of doing the same thing. We often, as Christians, are far more concerned about the actions, the public actions of other people and ourselves than the condition of our own hearts privately. And Jesus is always more concerned with the condition of your heart. Why? Because the condition of your heart determines the direction of your life. It's not that actions aren't important. They certainly are. We need to do the right thing. But Jesus is always targeting our hearts because our heart's condition determines our life's direction. Your work matters. Your what you do matters, but your heart matters more. Let me give you another example of this. I'll go to the Old Testament. Remember the time uh, Saul was king over Israel. And God decided, based on Saul's action and heart, that he was no longer to be king. So God removes the anointing off Saul, and he calls the prophet Samuel and says, I'm going to show you who the next king of Israel is. So the prophet Samuel goes to a man named Jesse. He goes to Jesse's house. Jesse had eight sons. And Jesse brings out seven of his sons, the, seven old, the first seven oldest. And Samuel looks one by one, and God says, nope, nope. No, no, you remember the story? You know what I'm talking about. And who ends up becoming king? It's David, and David's nowhere to be found. He's out in the, in the shield, and he's playing with the slingshot and playing his guitar. And, and then David comes, and he tells Samuel, that's the next king. And Samuel's confused. His brothers, David's brothers would have been confused. His dad would have been confused because David did not have qualifications to be king. He didn't even have a resume. David wasn't even qualified to be in the army. And God says to Samuel, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them because people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. See, outwardly, David wasn't qualified to do anything, but he had the one qualification that only God could see. And he was a man after God's own heart. The condition of your heart determines the direction of your life. Jesus knows that if he can capture your heart, the rest will take care of itself. 
So here's my question to all of us today. What's the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? If you were to go to the hospital or go to the doctor because you you sensed something was wrong with your heart, one of the first tests they would do would be an echocardiogram. And that echocardiogram sends waves through your heart to determine if there's any problems, to see if it's beating properly and blood is flowing properly. Today, my prayer is that there would be a spiritual echocardiogram done on our hearts to see if we are guarding and protecting and we have the kind of heart that God seeks. So what kind of heart does God seek? Before I get to that, I believe all of us have one of these five conditions of the heart. So as you pray and you process this, I'm going to ask that God would reveal this to all of us. Five conditions of the heart. Here's the first. Do you have a hard heart? Now, maybe you're a guest today. Maybe you're visiting for the first time. And I don't want to call you out, but I want you to think about this. If you are someone, maybe you've, you've questioned, maybe you're here just you're inquisitive, you're curious, you were invited by a friend, but at no point... In your life, have you ever recognized that you are in need of a savior? Meaning, at no point have you ever looked internally and gone, you know what? I'm not the greatest person. We call that sin. You haven't recognized and been self-aware. You've never been convicted that there are things in your life that you can't fix and only a sovereign, graceful, peaceful, almighty God could give you. If you've never committed your life and said, Jesus, I receive your grace. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I'm in need of a savior. And I give you my loyalty. I give you my allegiance. I wanna follow you with all my heart. If you have never done that, your heart's condition is one that is hard. The Bible tells us those who unbelieve don't believe because their hearts have been hardened. Maybe you are indifferent to the Bible, to the word of God. As we talked about last week, you look at this book as an antiquated, old-fashioned, out-of-date, and you're indifferent towards it. Your heart is hard. Maybe you've closed your ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Your heart condition is hard. And let's not assume for a moment that only people who don't believe or only people who don't follow Jesus are the ones with hard hearts. Do you know it's possible to follow Jesus and have a hard heart? I'll prove it to you. Jesus calls out his disciples for that very same thing. Remember the story where he feeds the 5,000? Shortly after that, the disciples and Jesus go across the a body of water, and they're going to minister somewhere else, and one of the disciples forgot their lunch, apparently, and they're arguing about not having bread. We don't know how it happened, but it's a bunch of men, so of course somebody forgot the lunch and forgot, left something behind. But anyway, they're arguing about it. They don't have bread. Remember, this is after Jesus just fed 5,000 men, women, and children. And Jesus looks at him like, what are you arguing about He says, don't you know or understand even yet? And he asked them, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. They had just witnessed one of the greatest miracles that have ever happened on this planet. And they're arguing because somebody forgot their lunch. 
They're following Jesus, but their heart had become so hard and calloused that they forgot who they were in the boat with. Do you have a hard heart today? The second heart condition is a cynical heart. Maybe some of you have what I call an Eeyore faith. You live off of what can go wrong, will go wrong. Maybe you're here today and you are at a point where you just assume the worst of other people. You just assume that person's intentions are evil. You assume that person's relationship or or that person's um, heart is selfish. You receive an email and you just assume the worst of that person. And your heart is cynical. You think everyone outside of these four walls is bad. Maybe sarcasm has become your second language. Now let me tell you, I love a good, well-placed, sarcastic comment. Okay, so it's not necessarily that sarcasm is bad. It can be used for humor. But how many of you have ever interacted with someone where sarcasm really is their second language? It just seems like everything they say or every conversation or they respond with is a sarcastic remark that is laced with a hint of sting. And you're like, okay, there's something deeper than that. They make a comment and it just, it stings a bit. It has an arrow to it. There's a cynicism that is coming out. It's a cynical heart. Maybe you're here and you downplay the power of the Holy Spirit. You sing the words, he's the same God. But you don't doubt that what God did for David, what God did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what God did for Daniel, what God did in feeding the 5,000, that he doesn't do that today. Your heart has become cynical. It happened to followers of Jesus too. Jesus dies on the cross. He's resurrected. He appears to the other disciples. Thomas, who wasn't there to see it, He had walked with Jesus, walked with, I mean, these are his closest friends for two to three years. He ate with them, traveled with them, talked with them. They knew him inside out. They come, Peter, John, Andrew. We have seen Jesus with our own eyes. And how did Thomas respond? Yeah, sure. Until I see the hands, till I see his side, no thanks. Thomas' heart, even though he followed Jesus and loved him with all his heart, he became cynical. So do you have a hard heart, a cynical heart? Or the third one is, do you have an apathetic heart? An apathetic heart, symptoms of an apathetic heart are one that have little to no concern towards other people. Maybe you've become indifferent towards those who don't know Jesus. Maybe there's a lack of desire to pursue spiritual growth. You've become complacent in your prayer life for reading God's word. Maybe you've Don't find the desire to connect with community. This is a 10 o'clock service. We stream this service. And I know that there are many people watching right now. Um, You don't have a choice to watch, but to watch online. And I'm glad we provide that. And we lean into that digitally. But there are no doubt some who are watching today that their their heart's condition has become apathetic. After COVID, it just got easy to stay home. It got easy to just have the cup of coffee, sit on the couch, not get anybody ready and not come in. Plus, it's a lot easier because we don't have to deal with people. And I've been hurt by too many people. Your heart has become apathetic. Maybe some you've got to the point where, you know what, I just need Jesus. 
I don't need the body of Christ. It's just Jesus and me instead of Jesus and we. Your heart has moved from, to one that is apathetic. The fourth heart is maybe the most dangerous, and that is an arrogant heart. And that is symptoms of it, you know more than anyone else. You can do it better than anyone else. And let me tell you, for this is a really hard one for those of us that have served the Lord for a long time. Because you're consuming God's word, you're praying, you know a lot. One of the things I'll never forget, I still have the book to this day, I don't remember the title of it. Uh, when I first went to seminary, my very first class, they gave us this little red book that talked about the arrogance of heart. And the danger of going through seminary and becoming a pastor and studying. And the more you know, the more arrogant you can become. And to think that I, I've got it all figured out. It's clean and cut in this box and I can't learn. And there's an arrogance that can take over our hearts. God doesn't want us to have an arrogant heart. Maybe you've become self-sufficient. I can figure this out. I can do it on my own. I don't need anyone. Maybe you're known for having opinions about everything. And the source of that is arrogance. Maybe you've become defensive and there's no need for accountability. When someone tries to speak into your life and tries to say, hey, here's a danger side that's coming. You're like, whoa, 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 who are you to tell me? It's a sign of an arrogant heart. And let me tell you this. This is a really scary verse in the Bible. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Like, I mean, you want to stand on the opposite sidelines of God? Have an arrogant heart. You're working against God. He opposes you if he gets any sense of pride or arrogance in us. That should scare all of us. But there's a fifth condition of the heart that God seeks more than anything and God desires of it. And that is one that is soft. This is the kind of heart his followers must have. Symptoms of a soft heart are humble, humility, people who are teachable, responsive, led by the Spirit and obedient to God, gentle and kind and compassionate towards others, joyful, hopeful, and believing in all things. This is the heart condition that leads to a flourishing life. And this is the kind of heart that Jesus seeks. But here's the reality. You alone are responsible for the condition of your heart. Guard over your heart above all else. You alone have to take responsibility for the condition of your heart. Only you can guard and protect what penetrates deep within. And let me tell you, you can't blame it on your upbringing. You can't blame it on circumstances or the actions of other people. Solomon is telling his son, son, you're going to encounter things that are going to want to penetrate your heart. Above all else, guard your heart's condition because it will determine the direction of your life. How do we do that? How do we stand watch? Above all else, making sure that our hearts are soft and don't become hard or cynical or apathetic or arrogant. Pastor Rock gave us a great clue two weeks ago when he preached on soft answer, turning away wrath. He communicated the importance of garbage in, garbage out, of, of understanding and protecting 
preserving what goes in our eyes, what goes in our ears. And the first step to maintaining a spiritually healthy heart, one that is soft, is the consumption of God's word. Let me tell you this. If you want to guard your heart and keep it soft, you will read, you will meditate, you will pray over, you will memorize, you will listen in any possible way you can. Worship music, as much as possible, you will consume God's living word. If you want to protect your heart, Bible intake, God's word, scripture consumption is the first step and it has to be a part of that. David, who no one saw as qualified, but God did because the condition of his heart wrote in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. Did David make mistakes? Did he sin? He absolutely did. And we all will. But to protect the condition of our heart, we will do better if we consume God's word and we hide it as much as we can in our heart. Hebrews 4.12 tells us the, the reason why. Because when we hide God's word in his heart, the writer says that the word of God is alive. It's powerful to work inside of us. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when arrogance pops up and you're reading God's word, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Whoa, watch that. When all of a sudden apathy builds up and you become complacent and not concerned about how you see and what you see in other people, you consume God's word and he'll convict you. He'll soften the ground that is hard or cynical. Only you are responsible for the condition of your heart. But here's the thing. Ultimately, it's not on you because only God can make a heart pure. Only God can make our hearts soft. So while you are responsible for the condition, God is responsible for the transformation. A surgery of the heart can only be completed by the great surgeon. He tells this, that he'll do it. In the book of Ezekiel, he tells the people of Israel, God's people, he said to them, I will give them a singleness of heart. I will put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn, cynical, arrogant, apathetic, hard. I'm adding here, but I will give them a tender and responsive heart, God said. I'll give them a soft heart. Why? So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then... They will truly be my people and I will be their God. If we are going to be God's people, we must be a people with soft hearts because the condition of our heart determines the direction of our life. And while what you do matters, the work you do, your actions, while they matter, the condition of your heart matters more. Would you stand to your feet today? For the next few moments, I want us to turn this sanctuary into a large hospital room. And I'm going to ask that we take time to pray. And as we do, that in that spiritual sense, God would take that 
he would do an echocardiology on our hearts spiritually. So if you desire to have God examine your heart, I believe that if you pray in the next few minutes, God will reveal things to you that maybe you've become numb to. I want you to take your hands and just put them on your own heart. This is between you and God. Only you are responsible for the condition of your heart. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, your best friend, only you are responsible for the condition of your heart. But God's responsible for the transformation. So this is between you and God today. Every person, just bow your, bow your head. I want to speak to a couple things. First of all, I want to speak to anybody here within the sound of my voice, even those watching online. You have never said yes to Jesus. You have never fully acknowledged that you are a person who sins and is in need of a savior. As you've learned, your heart is hard. And today, between you and God, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and to exchange your hard heart for one that is soft. This isn't about me. It's not about ACAC. This is right now. If you before God, and when I give us time to pray, in that moment, if you would simply say, God, I recognize that I am in need of a Savior. <laughs> you may not even know what that necessarily means, but you're willing to say, God, I want to be loyal to you, allegiant to you. I need to have a soft heart. When I ask everybody to pray, I just want you in your own words to ask Jesus. And in that moment, I believe he'll give you a soft heart. But for everyone else, I want us to pray. And I want you to pray Lord, reveal to me right now the condition of my heart. For some, maybe there's a little bit of everything. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal ways in your life in which you have become cynical, in which you, ways in which your heart has become hard, ways in which you have become apathetic, and ways in which you have become arrogant. And as God reveals that to you, I'm going to ask that you repent of that between you and him. And just as he said he would do in Ezekiel to the people of Israel, he would give us a new spirit. Say, God, I receive that new spirit into my heart. Would you toil that soil and give me a soft heart? Just pray right where you're at between you and the Lord. Heavenly Father, we receive your spirit today. We receive healing today. You're the great surgeon, the great physician. You have the ability to convict us of sin. And I pray that you have done that. And I pray now that you would exchange, give us all soft hearts. Lord, I pray it wouldn't be temporal. It's going to be really easy when we leave this place, we have lunch and go about our day. It would be so easy just to revert back. Spirit of God, I pray that you would convict us. 
when Tuesday morning comes around, Wednesday night comes around, when that cynicism creeps back in or apathy or arrogance or the hardness, God, would you convict us? Lord, would we be people of your word that consume your word? Would we hide it in our hearts? Would we teach that to our children so that we do avoid the pitfalls of life? God, I thank you for those that were here today that they prayed to you for the very first time and they committed their life to you. Lord, would you walk with them? Would they hear your voice? Would they sense that they are forever changed? And help us as a church to be their family, to stand with them, to walk with them, and to be part of a community. In your name, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team. If you would, any elders that are here, pastors that are on staff, just make your way right now. I'm I'm about ready to dismiss and just spread out across the front. Um, We're here to pray with you. Um, So when I officially dismiss, uh, maybe you're here today and God worked in your heart and maybe you just would like someone to pray with you a little bit more. We'd be willing to do that right here. If you're sick in your body today, uh, we would love to pray for your healing and believe in that. And then here's one more. If that was you, if you prayed that prayer of faith and said yes to Jesus today, I implore you, I implore you, I don't don't care who you're with, it'll take five minutes. I'm asking that you come, when we dismiss, come privately up here and tell someone, said, I said yes to Jesus today. We want to walk with, you can't do it alone. You have to have a family and community. You're not joining this church. We just want to know so that we can give you tools and meet you and walk with you in that. After I dismiss, don't forget there's a meet and greet. Um, If you're fairly new to the church, I'd love to say hi and meet you face to face. Let's go and be people with soft hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's guard them with all we got. You're dismissed.